0: Welcome, listeners, to Experiments vs. Experience here on www.ironradio.org. Experiments vs. Experience is published as a special feature of the ironradio.org feed on iTunes and Podcast Alley about once a month. This is the show where a scientist, practical information and some uh, science, and a powerlifter,
1: well, the problem is the majority of the stuff out there is likely fake,
0: and sometimes some guests, a doctor, student and exercise fizz, tackle tough questions sent in by listeners. It's the show that was created because science doesn't always agree with what athletes insist they know. Welcome, Experiments versus experienced listeners. This is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and I'm here with Jonathan Mike this time as uh, sort of a guest, although he's now a regular guest on the show, um, and we're going to get some comments from Fortress probably in a follow-up episode, um, but today we're going to discuss what's competitive or what's elite when it comes to strength. Our last episode was very similar regarding bodybuilding, uh, and we started off talking about the average population, uh, you know, what's a big arm, for example, uh, and then talking about, you know, where should you be before you decide to compete? Because we've all been in situations and bodybuilding shows, and I don't know as much in powerlifting, but, you know, somebody takes the stage and you're just sort of face palming, you know, oh God, you know, what's a guy doing? So, this will give you some gauge i hope today on you know what's elite what's impressive um, so as you consider competing which all of us at iron radio here you know heavily endorse uh but you've got to be ready so i'm going to start by discussing what's average uh you know uh our average population and in that sort of strata of people what is awesome for average people and some of this listeners may know, some of it may be news. And then um, John is going to basically talk about, you know, competitors because th- that's a different ball of wax. Um, if you look at percentile rankings, and I'm just looking at the uh, Vivian Hayward textbook. It's a book I use in one of my courses here. It's Advanced Fitness Assessment and Exercise Prescription. Uh But there's some norms in here that she's got from the Cooper Institute and some different places, different universities. And if you look at age gender norms for things like they have leg press here, for example, a guy in his 20s should be in the 90th percentile plus if he's doing 2.27 times his body weight in leg press. Now, if you're, high, yeah. Yeah, if you're a competitor, 2.27 I'll just multiply it out right now. I weigh 200 pounds, roughly, so that's 454 pound leg press. Now I know there's different angles in the leg press and whatnot, but you know, I don't know. I I, I routinely use double that, you know, right. more than double that amount. So in the leg press, you know, I, I I suppose you've been once you've been lifting for years, uh, you're just you know so far beyond the average dude. Um, that it 's not funny, so anyway, so you 're very, very strong if you 're you know way above five hundred in the leg press. does that mean you 're competitive no, and again john 's going to get to that interestingly, these are age normed so if you look at like guys my age in the forties, uh, that group comes out to three hundred and eighty four pounds in the leg press, which actually puts me even further ahead of the game, but I mean one of the things that I often talk about in uh, a course I teach, which is medical aspects of exercise, is how exercise w- completely, you know, prevents a lot of the loss of physical performance with age, right up until the fact that time that you're really quite old. I mean, sixty-year-olds can actually be more physically functional than guys in their twenties, if you know, if they're highly fit. And I think that's sort of amazing. The other uh, norm that I have, and I'm not going to go down for all these, but is bench press. And the bench press numbers for average guys. Again, I'm a I'm a sucky bencher, but it's about 1.5. It's 1.48 times your body weight. And for me, that'd be benching 296.
1: And right. John, I think I, for me, yeah, for me it'd be like, you know 415, 425. Yeah. So I c- can you bench 400, John? Uh, no, not yet. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm typically in the uh, around the mid threes, upper threes, but I think. Typically, if you are at a higher body weight and the stronger you are, that number just becomes more and more amplified. Yeah. Uh, If I do my own age group, uh,
0: then it's 220 pounds would put me in the 90th percentile for bench press strength. And, you know, that's compared to guys my age, even with a sorry bench press, I am crushing, right? I mean, 220, I don't know how many reps I could get out of that, but 12 or 15 maybe. And, you know, this is one. Right. Um, so, but when I compare myself to 20 year olds, which I, which I usually do, then, you know, I'm right about at the 90th percentile because I could probably only venture about 300. I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit, but,
1: so. And that's still, I mean, that's still above average. I mean, of course.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, that's 90th percentile. So, you know, the next nine guys that you meet out of 10, you're going to be stronger than them. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, that's, Pretty cool. Now, again, so that just gives you a, you know, a general compound lift for uh, upper body and lower body uh, because those are sort of the things ACSM sort of condones. I don't have squat numbers
1: for I don't ab- think you're going to really see in terms of these te- you know, the, uh, the textbooks, in terms of norms and, and data norms. You're not really going to see squat, your deadlift or overhead press too often, if at all. Um, you'll see more of those norms and other textbooks, uh, you know, like the ones, you know, Coach Mark Ripito has available, but in terms of the, you know, collegiate textbooks, you're not going to find a lot of norms for squat and some of the multi-joint, you know, compound movement exercises in there that much. Um, right. Just so if anybody really has it's been interested in, in finding that information out. Yeah.
0: Well, I, yeah, that's true. And I think one of the reasons for that, of course, is you get the average person who Literally can't even put an Olympic bar on their back and squat down without limbo and, you know, pitching forward or who knows what. So they try to take some of the skill out of it. Uh, and I think that's why they choose leg press. I don't know. I don't know if you have any other insight on that, but.
1: I would, I would agree with that. I mean, it doesn't really, you don't really need a lot of technique and form to do, you know, leg press or leg curl or whatever. And it's just from, from a data perspective, it's just much easier to quantify than that of, deadlift or squat or, or whatever it is so um, it's just it's just easier for simplicity purposes
0: right and you know i'm guilty too in research settings i've done smith machine squat and bench to yeah. purposely try to take some skill out of the movement you know if i had a sort of a heterogeneous group of more advanced guys and, and more beginner guys and i wanted to see let like, if a certain nutritional supplement let's say has an effect or something i'd purposely try to take the skill out of it you know by not making it free form i know that that might hurt the external validity a little but like you said it makes it a little cleaner to control and mm. quantify and stuff so but let's have you tell us about any kind of rules of thumb or let's get into competitors now like people right. who are maybe approaching a state level you know of okay. strength or you know regional type stuff i know there's lots of different federations
1: in powerlifting and strongman and stuff but do you have some rules of thumb for listeners well for those that are listening, if you're going to compete in powerlifting or strongman, and and they're two different you know sports, and both of them are very unique in their own you know right. But if you want to be a competitive strength athlete, I think the minimum that you need to be able to achieve is what's called the one two three four method. So for those that are listening, so for example, be able to overhead press one plate, which is one thirty five, bench two plates, which is two twenty five, squat three three fifteen, and deadlift. 405. And this is just, of course, an opinion. I think you need to be able to do that for a good three or five reps with good, clean form. So, for example, for the overhead press, you know, full lockout, squat nice and deep, um, and, you know, good, clean deadlift. And, for, of course, for bench press, you know, touch your chest. You can do a slight pause, stop and go. Um, and that's typically what I'm talking about in terms of um, the minimum that you need to be at just to sort of. Maybe be comfortable in your own right to really, really think about competing. Right. If, if you, you mean evolve- so just to participate, sort of? You better be right. squatting three hundred and
0: fifteen and and pulling four hundred and five and stuff like that.
1: Absolutely. And yeah. I think if you've already have been competing, and the further that you, you want to go in your competitive career, that those four digits are going to move themselves upward, <laughs> right, in sort of numerical order. So, for example, it would be. A two three four five method, so overhead press two twenty five bench three fifteen squat four hundred five you know, and deadlift five hundred pounds um, and so the more and more um, that you want to compete, the further along the chain that you want to go, um, that those numbers are going to continue to go up because primarily. That's what the contest is going to be regulating for you to be able to lift, you know, so much, you know, weight. And and, and let's just face it, that's what the other competitors are going to be doing anyway. So if you want to be competing against top guys, you're going to have to be doing these types of things. Right. No, it
0: makes sense. Uh, And, again, our purpose really here today is not to make anybody feel bad or feel awesome, but just to say, listen, this is sort of where you want to be if you want to respectfully compete, right, you know, participate and, and have fun with it and not sort of well and en- embarrass yourself in a way and everybody's going to be good at one thing or another and oftentimes i think you know in competitions you sort of do great at one and maybe you don't have as good of a day in the other i i, I would guess and you can correct me if i'm wrong john but it's probably a rare t- day in a meet like a power meet
1: when you get personal records in all three lifts absolutely you know Even for strongmen, same thing. I mean, if there's five events, you might do good on three and do horrible on the other two, or do great on four and do horrible on one. I mean, it's any, you know, anything can really happen. You just have to prepare yourself as best as you can. And if you have done everything that you've done in training in terms of recovery and nutrition or whatnot, you you should be good. You should be fine. Um, if you've taken all the necessary steps to, to, uh, to train for whatever contest, strength contest that you're doing. Right. Now, when you talk about, you know,
0: benching 225, squatting 315, pulling 405, is that something that you would do in, like, how big of a meet? Uh, like we are talking about,
1: would that be, you, you'd, you'd probably feel good doing that even in a state meet, you think? Or- Absolutely, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think if you've never competed before and you certainly want to do your first, You know, meet or, you know, strongman contest. I think achieving the one, two, three, four method is an absolute must before you even consider mailing the entry form in, in the first place. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good tester in the gym and even to do it in a meet. I mean, it's, uh, you know, for maybe like a good warm up show before you go to the next, you know, level. Absolutely. Okay. Well, let's,
0: let's move on to a sort of, tangential topic here but you and i were discussing before the call uh like body shape or height and how that affects things like you may hear people say that you know i'm a great deadlifter because i my arms are sort of long or you know i'm actually better at the squat because i'm i'm a little shorter instead of tall and lanky and pitching forward and i mean what kind of thoughts do you have on that
1: well, it's going to be slightly different for either powerlifting and, and for strongman. For powerlifting, I mean, it's going to help if you're short. And it's going to help if you have a, you know big, strong gut uh, because it gives you a biomechanical advantage in terms of leverage. Mm-hmm. A lot of times for deadlift or squat, um, the bar doesn't have to move as far. The bar, the bar has to travel less distance for you to achieve or execute uh, you know the full range of motion of the lift. For example. Uh, or excuse me. In contrast, for strongman, let's just face it. For a lot of the events, I mean, you just need to be big and you need to be tall because that gives you a leverage advantage as well. For Atlas Stones, for example, or for some type of truck pull, to where you know you have long arms, then you can pull a greater range of motion. Um, so it depends on what event um, that you're looking at, and even sometimes for an overhead press. Uh, my overhead press has gotten a lot better in, re- in recent months, but I have long arms, so I'm already at a biomechanical disadvantage because I have to move the bar a greater range of motion than someone who is, you know, six feet six one or you know, five ten or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so I think the differences in physical characteristics definitely um, can aid you um, or give you a disadvantage and both powerlifting and strongman, but depending on what events they are.
0: Okay, well, let me follow this up with a question then. Once uh, Rob and I spoke to Eddie Cohn, and I mean, I'm sure listeners are familiar. Ed Cohn is, you know, powerlifting legend. Right. And someone who was standing there with us said, you know, Ed, how come you don't uh, do strongman and Highland Games and, and stuff like that? And he was just real flat, and he said, I'm short. Right. You know, so... If people are listening, John, what would you say to them if, if they weren't even six feet tall, but they thought those events were cool? I mean, I know we don't want to dissuade people from you know trying, I suppose. But how tall do you think is necessary for something like strongman competition? If you you know if you want a place, let's say.
1: Well, I can tell you right now that there are individuals that are pros in the lightweight division. That are, that are 5'9 and 5'10, that are not even 6 feet tall, and they're pros. And they are unbelievable. Um, so, like you said, I don't want to try to dissuade anybody from not doing strongman just because they're short. Um, there are individuals that are 6'1 uh, or 6'4, 6'5 and don't do all that great. So I don't think the height in and of itself should – dissuade somebody or or inhibit someone from competing um it just give it's just gonna aid you or inhibit you on certain things but if if you rather compete in a powerlifting show because you feel that you're better suited for it biomechanically then you know by all means you know that fantastic all power to you so it just kind of depends on what you're more interested in but for strongman the minimum height that you need to be at um is I would say everybody six one for sure absolutely, okay. um, but you know and then there's professionals that are six seven six eight. There's even lightweight pros that are five nine and five ten and are just, are just have unbelievable um, you know hu- human feats of strength. Now, do those guys struggle with stuff like the Atlas stones? I mean, it, what if your they arms do. are only big enough to get halfway around the stone? You know, I mean. Well then, yeah. I mean, some the some heights of the stone platforms. Um, can be a problem for individuals that are short. Um, and if that's the case, then, you know, that you're at a disadvantage right there. But in most contests, you won't really see stone platforms above, uh, 60 inches, maybe 62 inches. So even for someone that's 5'9 or 5'10, uh, that's very doable. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
0: again, experiments versus experience is generally a, a 20 minute Uh, sort of, uh, episode, special feature of Iron Radio. And I just want to ask one more thing and then we're going to have a little special, uh, topic from Phil, uh, who sent me some audio recently. But, uh, one last thing I wanted to ask you was, uh, how rare is it? Like you sent a video around to some of us recently about doing a nice clean 600 pound deadlift. I know Phil can deadlift 700 and he has in competition or, Last week, Rob said people in the gym were applauding because he squatted over seven. Um, and, and all you guys are, are pretty, I don't know if all those lifts were raw, but you know, you guys are not heavy equipment sorts of guys. So how rare is that kind of strength? So maybe just give a deadlift or a, or a squat number and what, what number of guys in any given gym do you think could do it?
1: Well, I think if you're talking anywhere over, for a deadlift specifically, If you're talking anywhere over 500 pounds, I would say that it's very, very rare to see someone, you know, pull 500 pounds off the floor clean, full range of motion with good form. Um, I think in most gyms, you'll see people, you can, you'll see a few guys, you know, squat 315, you know, full range of motion, you know, right down to the floor. Um, is that in and of itself kind of rare? I think it is, but I think, if someone can squat 315 for you know a good 8 to 10 reps even if it's just one set it definitely deserves you know some respect and i think you'll see a few guys deadlift 405 maybe you know for 2 3 4 5 reps but i think anything over 405 deadlift is is definitely a rare feat to see you won't really see many people uh do that and if you do they're certainly not in you know commercial commercial gyms or somewhere you know small you know <laughs> dungeon per se. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's certainly rare or
0: getting in trouble in a nice clean gym. Like you try to avoid, (laughs) right, (laughs) right. Uh, Rob and I discussed this once upon a time and, and we agree that you might see a individual, you know, an individual in any given gym who can actually squat 405 legitimately, you know, nice and deep below parallel, you know, maybe knee wraps or maybe a belt fine, but May, there might be a one guy in a gym who can do that. And you know what? And I think we should probably have a little caveat here too is that you can walk in lots of gyms and fitness centers, depending how clean they are, and see nobody squatting or deadlifting at all. You know, the power rack doesn't even exist or it's got cobwebs on it or something, you know, sadly, because like you were describing before the call, people are too busy primping and pumping with, you know, all kinds of equipment and they're not just doing heavy bar work
1: we're right i mean every time i come back home uh to a gym here which is very popular right down the street i like it a lot whenever i go there any given time of day there's no one in the power rack you know it's always empty and you know what that's the first place that i go that's sort of my you know a new home away from home is the power rack
0: yeah that's funny you say that i i feel i feel at home too when i came up here uh, to Minnesota, I found a, a decent little gym here. And actually, there's another sweet little gym down in La Crosse. Uh, maybe one of these days I'll have you up here. We just, you know, tear these places up. But they're, they're pretty good gyms. And I gravitate right toward, you know, the uprights or the, the power rack. It just feels like home, right. you know? And I don't know. So it, it's, it's, it's gotta be that sort of, uh, meat and potatoes for any gym. But it is. You know, I think and, I, uh, again, if, if let's say 10% of the people in the gym are using that, well, just by population, by numbers alone, you're going to have fewer people that might be super strong. You know, I mean, if a, if a gym has 500 members and less than 50 of them are even using the power rack, it's probably no wonder that you don't see people squatting 405 or you know, well, yeah, and that's why they only yeah. That's
1: that's why they only have just one power rack. They have ten <laughs> of everything. They have ten of everything else, but they right. only have one power rack.
0: Especially the cardio equipment, expensive yeah. electronic cardio equipment, tons and tons of it, but no power racks and you know and uh, squat racks.
1: Right. I mean, I'm not trying to discredit any you know cardio conditioning aspect. I mean, I certainly do it, but I think another reason why people you don't see many people squat. Deep and heavy or even, you know, deadlift heavy. Let's just face it. It's hard. It's very difficult to put, you know, hundreds of pounds on your back, uh, or lift something heavy off the floor with good technique. Most people don't really want to work on the aspect of technique. Um, and that's why when you see individuals that are, you know, deadlifting 600, 700 plus, um, they're, you know, a rare specimen to look at. Right. No, it's a good point. It's really hard to do
0: that. It's, even if you consider uh, maximal intensity biceps curls, it's not the same thing. You know, Uh, when I was squatting last week, I I sort of was looking in the mirror. I sort of look up and at the top of the mirror, you know, it helps me sort of keep my balance and and whatnot when I have a lot of weight because I don't always use a spotter. uh, I just caught a glimpse of my face. I was like purple. My head was going to pop. Right. You know, <laughs> because if you got that much weight on there, you know, I don't know. It's hard. It's really hard. It's very taxing on your central nervous system. And Phil and I have talked about this before too. Like, you know, you can't just say, oh, it's, it's very strenuous on your quads, your glutes or whatever. I mean, we're talking about whole body systemic endocrinology, nervous system, the whole thing, you know. And, uh, and I think that's a good point, John, actually. That
1: well, yeah, I mean, it's hard. I,
0: it's really, I, really freaking hard to do those. Absolutely.
1: Tests. I did, when I did that 600 pound deadlift, I did it, um you know, this past Monday, like December t- 12th or 13th, and I was trying to squat three days later, and uh, you know, 315 felt like it was, you know, 415. And it, was, <laughs> it, it just, and, and yep. it, it just was not happening. I could only do a couple of, you know, work sets and, you know, three or four reps, and I, I had to call it quits. I couldn't do it. It was, it was, it was from the 600 pound deadlift. It was, it, it is that devastating <laughs> on the, on the human tissues. <laughs>
0: devastating. Okay. Well, I think we have our answer for everybody. If, if you're routinely leg pressing over 500 pounds, you're in the 90th percentile of average dudes. If you can bench 300 pounds once, Based on these norms in the textbooks, then you're in the 90th percentile. So you're only going to meet one guy out of the next 10 who could probably do the same thing. And like John said, if you're a competitor, then consider those rules of thumb. Uh, you know, benching two and a quarter, squatting 315, pulling 405, right? Yes. And, you know, that gives you uh, respectability so you can participate.
1: Yeah, don't forget to add the uh, the overhead press in there too.
0: And you yeah. say overhead with what?
1: One well, yeah, for one thirty five. If you know, if you just for minimum, for the minimum amount of string that you okay. need. Okay, yeah, overhead press. Uh,
0: You're big you on it lately.
1: Yeah, if you want to get real crazy, then uh, two twenty five plus. So. okay. Okay, sweet. So uh, that's our, I-
0: our episode of uh, experiments versus experience. Uh, now we're going to do a little. Sort of public announcement break. I don't really want to call it a commercial break, but I need to start announcing these. We had a listener email in and say, hey, you guys sort of randomly plop in these little ads. And I appreciate that they're public service ads, but they kind of are jarring. So can you just do them at the beginning and the end? So. Before we move on to Phil's little clip, here comes uh, just a couple of public announcements. One of them is from Joey Antonio for next summer's ISSN meeting. It's a sports nutrition meeting. And the other one is from our own John Mike about uh, the ASEP meeting, exercise physiology meeting. And that's next September, correct? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So thanks for listening. Thanks, John. Thank you. For the best sports nutrition information on the planet, make plans to attend the 8th Annual ISSN Conference and Expo, June 23rd to 25th, 2011, at the Westin Las Vegas Hotel, Casino, and Spa. We'll have the latest on creatine, beta-alanine, protein, nutrient timing, and much, much more. So, for more information, go to www.theissn.org. That's issn.org.
1: Hey, Iron Radio listeners, this is John Mike. I just wanted to tell you about the American Society of Exercise Physiologists is pleased to announce the 2011 National Meeting on September 22nd, 23rd, and 24th in Albuquerque, New Mexico. This will actually be the fourth time the National Conference has been held here in Albuquerque. This three day event will be held at the Radisson Hotel and Water Park, New Mexico Sports and Wellness and the University of New Mexico, and partly hosted by the Exercise Science Program here at the University of New Mexico. Go to www.asap.org to learn more about this exciting conference. Thanks so much.
2: Uh, This is Phil Stevens and... Mark Bell. We're here, we're going to give you a weekly power update, it's just kind of anything across the um, fields of strength, sports, powerlifting, and all that, and just what we're doing in general, and maybe a topic of the day or so. <clears throat> Good. Um, let's chat about the uh, the seminar yesterday you guys had.
3: Yeah, we did a seminar out at uh, CrossFit Pleasanton, and... Um it went really well. We had a great time. We had uh I mean you were there as well. Um how many people would say is there? Twenty plus, yeah. Yeah, it's about twenty plus people. Um people got to learn the conjugate method, they got to learn a lot of uh a lot of information about the West Side Barbell method, which is now um being preached across the country for uh, CrossFit uh powerlifting certifications. And, obviously, power lifters and strength athletes all over the world have been using Westside Barbell methods. So it was great to get that information out there. You know, I trained at Westside Barbell for about a year and a half and got to learn learn a lot of great things from Louis Simmons. And we got to show people, uh you know, some of the different exercises that are utilized and uh, really got a chance to hammer the methods into their head.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it was good. And you had a lot of questions across the board. Um just a lot of good information out there to personally people who I think need it, and I think they were um, willing to accept it and grasp it and give it give it a whirl. So,
3: yeah, that's always good. You know, we there was a couple of guys there um, during the break. They uh, they were saying, you know, hey, I'm kind of worried I'm maybe bothering you and asking too many questions, and and that's uh, the worst thing that you can think is uh, yeah. we need questions. You know, because sometimes when you're doing this stuff for a while, you take it for granted. You know, yeah. And someone just says, "Well, how do you do that?" You're like, "Well, I don't know. I just kind of, I just kind of pick it up." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But uh,
2: no, I mean that's. I think you and Jesse both stated that yesterday. I mean, there's nothing new out there. Anything that you're telling them, I'm telling them, he's telling them, whatever. It's it's somebody else has told us.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely, yeah, and uh, you know, it's just great to be able to share that information. You know, we a lot of us learn through trial and error. Yeah. And it's great to be able to tell somebody before they have the error. You know, you tell them. You know, they're gonna have their own trials and errors. You know, but it's great to be able to share the information with somebody. They don't have to go through half the half the headache that you did.
2: You yeah, know. yeah. Let them go through their own um, <laughs> and right. skip the ones we have. Um, so, you guys gonna be doing a lot of these things, or um, what do you got on the docket for that?
3: That's that's the plan. You know, um, coming up in uh, the next few weeks here, we're gonna uh, basically just book 2011. And uh I was thinking probably somewhere in the neighborhood of about six of these things. Yeah. Uh, I've already been warned that if you do too many, that you can really burn yourself out. Yeah. So, uh, you know, while I want to give as much of myself as I can and, and uh, share share the knowledge, you got to be a little bit careful we don't burn ourselves out. I got my my own powerlifting goals and stuff to uh, to, to chase after. Yeah, but yeah, it, um, mainly uh, mainly in Northern California, and then a few a few out here on the west coast um looking into washington and and perhaps a little bit in southern california
2: gotcha speaking of your own goals um it kind of fits in because it it was a topic that came up the yesterday um (laughs) we got to talking about uh the difference of uh being big and just being fat so um it's a great
3: topic i love it
2: (laughs) you know there's guys like me that are just big and then there's guys like you that are
3: well, you know, you know, if powerlifting, see, like if powerlifting was more important, you know, maybe, maybe like in a perfect world, I would be the president of powerlifting and you would be my, my like secretary of state, you know, Okay. and you'd come in and you'd brief me in the morning on this topic. You know? oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> you <know. laughs> like, you know, six o'clock in the morning or something like that, you know, so we get it out of the way, get the important stuff out of the way first.
2: And just say, Mark, we're going to be talking about being big and fat today. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it was just something that came up and, um, you know, somebody was asking about, you know, it came up, I think on diet, you know, what do you guys, it was while we were eating lunch, um, yeah. they were like, so what do you guys as powerlifters do for diet? And you were just like, well, you know, powerlifters just kind of eat, <laughs> <laughs> And you just mentioned, you know, across the board, if you go to the pro shows at the at the top level, across the weight classes, nobody's in horrible shape.
3: Right.
2: You know, they're carrying some fat, but uh, but it's just, I mean, that's inevitable when you're a super heavyweight or whatnot. But they're still carrying a shit ton of muscle.
3: You uh, look uh, at Donnie Thompson. You know, I don't know how many uh, people out there have seen him or met him. Donnie Thompson, you know, is a good 360 pounds, if not more. You know, he kind of lies about his weight a lot, so it's hard to tell exactly how much he weighs, but he's just a mammoth of a guy. You know, he's yeah. huge. And yeah, of course he has some body fat. He's got some fat around his waist and stuff like that, but huge muscular legs and arms and his back just seems to kind of go on forever. Yeah. Um, but you, you're right. At the pro level, that's where the guys are taking it more serious. They're taking their sleep more serious. They're taking their eating more serious. They're taking their training more serious. They understand that those things are all very important in, in uh, leading to a, leading to a huge total. Yeah. You know? you got um, guys like Sean Frankel out there who's, you know, proof that you don't need to be fat to be strong. You know, the guys, the guys doing numbers, uh, that, that super heavyweights, you know, some super heavyweights could only dream of. He did a yeah. 2715 total weighing 220 pounds. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, unreal type of stuff that's going on out there. Then also in my own gym, uh, we've had, uh, Stan Effording, who did a 22-21 total raw. And, you know, he's got like a, I don't know what his waist is, maybe 30 inches if he's lucky. Yeah. You know, he's, he's got a very, very thin waist. And, you know, those of you who've seen him, uh, on stage bodybuilding know how jacked the guy is. You know, he's just, he's shredded. I mean, you know, whatever the lowest body fat percentage you can be, he's about, he's about that, you know. Yeah.
2: I think there's some difference across the board, I think, individualized. But um, in general, I think what we're getting at is some people come in early, and they're in their first year of training, and they hear people like us talking about just eat big and get in there and train. And they take the eating big to heart and not so much the training. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. you know, like we were talking about, you'll see guys in there, they're in the super heavyweight class and multiply gear putting up a 400 pound total or something.
1: <laughs> and, yeah.
2: uh, just went a little overboard. Um, but, and that, that's just kind of the difference we, we started talking about yesterday is just there's a, there's a big difference in between being big and, and being just fat and using that as an excuse. And some people have of late, I mean, used,
3: used the sport as an excuse to be a slut. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, there's actually a game that I play and I call it fat or power lifter. And when I go to like Walmart or I go to the local fair and I see someone who's got the fat guy power waddle going on and I, I say to myself, fat or power lifter, I'll, I'll say it to my wife or to a, to a buddy, you know, and, and, you know, nine, out you know nine out of 10 times. I mean, the guy's just, just fat doesn't train at all, but sometimes the guy's big and fat. Yeah. But if you're going to be big and fat, then you got to be strong. Yeah. You know, I ballooned myself up, uh, to about 330 pounds and I was not getting any further results with my, with my, uh, with my powerlifting. I wasn't getting any stronger. So I was yeah. like, now I'm just fat. You know, I'm just kind of, now I'm just kind of stuck in fat guy limbo here. You know, yeah. what do I do? Do I go to 350? You know, it's like, no way. I'm going to have a freaking heart attack. So I decided to drop some weight and sure enough, I, when I dropped, you know, when I dropped weight, it was, it was a kick in the balls, but when I dropped weight, uh, I actually gained some muscle, got, you know, got a little bigger in certain areas, a little smaller in other areas and, uh, ended up getting elite, you know, getting, ended up getting a uh, 50 pound PR, yeah. you know, all time PR regardless of my weight. So it doesn't always pay just to be fat, you know, muscle, uh, causes leverage also, you know, having a lot of muscle on, it can give you, uh, give you great leverage as well yeah well i think the
2: difference is too. i mean even when you ballooned up to 330 um you did it for a reason and not just to eat you know and that's the difference in between people that are i think involved in sports you know i mean right now i'm i'm pushing and trying to get up to 280 285 and it's not just for the fact that i like eating this pizza that's right over here next to me (laughs) it's for the fact that i know it's gonna it's gonna aid my lifts. it's gonna aid me in highland games and this and that um
3: you got to get 800 pound deadlift. Yeah, exactly.
2: So also, I mean, yeah, it's doing it yeah. for a reason, um, yeah. not just for just because I like food. Um,
3: yeah. <laughs> so. Well, and we all know the uh, the monetary gain that comes from having an 800 yep. pound deadlift. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll be the money's that's going to be coming in from the sponsors from Oprah. 19th, yeah. Oprah is just—they told me
2: as soon as I got it, um, I'm on. I'm on. Me and that guy Bruno. We're gonna do a show together on Oprah.
3: Oh wow, um, that's gonna be Yeah. <laughs> that's going <to> be fantastic. <laughs> but um, You know, this glorious this glorious sport it will basically leave you fat and broken. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: exactly. Um, speaking of the fabulous sport, let's talk a little bit about um, some of the numbers people put up this weekend.
3: Oh, God, it was outstanding. Uh, they, they had a contest. Uh, Laura Phelps ran a contest out at her gym. I believe it's called the Sweatshop Gym in Cincinnati, Ohio. And it was for Luke Edwards, who uh, is uh, who possibly in need of a kidney transplant. So it was a benefit meet for him. They raised close to $3,000 for him, which I thought was pretty outstanding. And... Uh, Luke, Luke Edwards is a Westside barbell lifter. He's a guy who's deadlifted, uh, I think about 840 pounds. So whatever disease he has, it must not be slowing down his lifting too much. But, uh, yeah, he, I mean, he's, an, he's an incredible guy, incredible lifter. And, uh, you know, I, I hope he's, uh, hope he's well. And I hope that money, uh, you know, helps him out. Cause you know, the financial, uh, bills that can come along with having a disease like that can be pretty brutal. But, uh, it was a great contest, a lot of great lifting. Uh, Dave Hoff did a 2770 total, uh, weighing at around 257 pounds. That's just, you know, unbelievable. He's, uh, 30 pounds off of the all-time 275 record, which is held by a guy named Avigan Yarambash from, uh, the Ukraine. You know, the evil, the evil Russians, you know. They always, well, I know, I know. You know <laughs> You know, the old, the old hammer and sickle still prevails. There's not much. We, we can't seem to take it down. It's the Ivan Drago thing. You know, we, we just, he's trying, man. He's trying, he's trying, he's trying for the whole country. You know, I talked to him on the phone and he was crying, you know, (laughs) it was, it was bad. You know, he's, he's, you know, the cold war is not over. I think it's just begun and things are going to get ugly coming up, but, uh, Dave hit a 900-pound bench, which is uh, that's only the second 900-pound bench done in a full powerlifting meet ever. Um, the other one was done by Donnie Thompson, who weighs about 100 pounds more than uh, Dave Hoff. So hats go off to Dave Hoff for uh, smashing some big weights. That's just incredible stuff. More incredible stuff from Westside Barbell. They had another guy. Another young both of these guys are under the age of twenty five so I don't know what the hell's going on out there, but this guy Jake anderson, did a twenty six fifty five total, and uh they said the eight forty five deadlift that he finished with he just he just crushed it oh. and uh he did that in the three oh eight weight class, and I'm not a hundred percent sure where that total puts him, but i I would guess that that total probably puts him in the top ten of of, uh, of that weight class of all time also. And then, uh, the immortal Louis Simmons lives on. Louis Simmons, uh, at, uh, over 60 years old. Um, this is unconfirmed information, but from what I've heard, he totaled 1,900 pound total, which would give him another elite total, which would be elite total spanning over the course of about 30 years. Yeah. That's probably like the
2: 700th time or something.
3: Some shit like that. Yeah. He's he's totaled elite, I think, in like six different weight classes, you know, Uh whatever the number would be, 198 all the way up to super heavy. Yeah. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, I don't think he ever made super heavy, but he made 275. So maybe five or six weight classes he's totaled elite in, and elite totals uh for over 30 years. He squatted over 700 pounds, I believe. I'm not too much aware of some of the other numbers. Hopefully we can get those pretty soon. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Louie and his team is just, they're, they're stronger than ever. You know, they lost Greg Panora. They lost Chuck Vogapool. They lost Matt Winning. They lost three guys that total over 2,600 pounds in a pretty short period of time. Yeah. And they replaced every single one of them <laughs> with guys that are lifting bigger, you know? It's crazy. Yeah, it's just, it's just some insane, it's just some insane things they have going on out there. And, uh, one other thing I'd like to bring up is the issue of duct tape. What are your feelings on duct tape? Duct tape? It depends. Um, it can be good for
2: manscaping. Um,
3: wax? Wow. Mans- I, I, I never see. There's another practical use for duct tape.
2: <laughs> you know, it's like wax, just easier. So, do um, you get those problem areas, you know, and you just duct tape them off?
3: So this uh, this radio cast here of uh, all things being powers. Is brought to you by duct tape, (laughs) (laughs) Reese's peanut butter cup, and Uh, Cialis. (laughs) Well, and what was that cream
2: um, that you had the other day?
3: Oh, the (laughs) the. I don't think we could say that, you know, even even on this unedited show. I don't think we. Yeah, that's uh,
2: probably.
3: We'll lose uh, our PG
2: rating, but.
3: um, (laughs) What (laughs) other? are coming
2: up. I know there's a meet coming up here that the Jesse Burdick, and I think you are helping throw that. Um,
3: yeah, the meet's January 9th. I'm actually uh, lifting in the contest and there'll be other super training members lifting that as well. Uh, as well as uh, Team Prev- Prevail, which is Jesse Burdick's team. Um, there'll be some other top lifters from the uh, Northern California area lifting in the meet. And it should be uh, it should be a great contest. We yeah, actually ran yeah. into some some of the people at the seminar. Um Seemed very interested in uh, doing the contest themselves. Um, One interesting
2: thing is you guys are going to be running a CrossFit category for the first time.
3: Yeah, it's just to try to give an opportunity to uh, the people that do CrossFit, give them an opportunity to uh, do a powerlifting contest and and not be so apprehensive about it and uh, not worry about having to compete against other powerlifters because that's not their trade. So obviously they're not going to be as strong. Obviously they're not going to be able to compete. If you can't compete and you don't have a chance to win, a lot of times it's not fun. Um, the people that, that are not, uh, deep into the powerlifting world, uh, they don't really realize that, that it's, uh, it's your own records that you're really going after. Yeah. But for the people on the outside looking in, they, they want to go to, they want to go to something and they want to accomplish something and they want to tell their buddies that they came in first, you know? And so this gives, this gives people an opportunity to actually compete against each other to actually have somebody uh you know in their weight class that is uh similar strength you know and the best guy will the best guy will prevail they don't have to worry about uh, some big fat powerlifter knocking out of the box yeah you know
2: um no and i think above and beyond that too it just introduces new people to the sport i think you know if if we can land one person out of say there's 25 that show up and turn yeah. them into a powerlifter it's a good thing
3: you know. I think yesterday out of that, out of that whole group, I, 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 saw, um, at least, uh, at least three power lifters. And that might not sound like a lot, but it is. It's a small community of power lifting. Yeah. Um, I, I think I saw at least three guys that are going to be, that are going to be converted to full power lifters. And next time we see them, they'll probably have, uh, taken the whole weight gain thing way too far and probably have gotten way too fat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe we should come up with a formula because, like, if you gain, you know, let's say, let's say you gain 10 pounds of body fat. Yeah. Uh, Now, it would be a fair trade if you had, what, a 30-pound PR? Oh, yeah. So, like, a 1 to 3 ratio of fat to weight, to to barbell weight?
2: That'd be good, yeah.
3: Uh, That's that's fair enough, a 1 to 3 ratio.
2: Or for every 100 pounds of fat, you need to add, like, 300 pounds to your total.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah. See that that <laughs> <laughs> that would be uh, that would be outstanding. You know? And so, I,
2: so, if you can't do that, you're fat. And if you do do that, you're big. Is that what we're saying?
3: Right. Right. Yeah. If you, if you accomplish that, you're big and you're tough and you're strong. Uh, you don't accomplish that. You're just fat. Not not only are you fat, but you're fat and weak, which and is lazy like, because you didn't train hard enough. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't think of too many things worse than being labeled fat and weak I mean that's just you know that's that's no way to go through life,
2: yeah, exactly. you can deal with being fat if you're strong,
3: so yeah, because you can you can just say, well, hey, at least I squat eleven 1, hundred pounds there you go, you now you, know, <laughs> you can you can you can always hang your hat on something
2: well the thing is, I mean, if you're fat, you're not only squatting eleven 1, hundred you're squatting your fat ass too so. <laughs> <laughs> right, but uh, oh geez. um. Let's move on. Last thing to touch on, uh, you got Power Magazine getting ready to go to print again.
3: Oh, yeah. We got, uh, the next issue of Power Magazine, issue number seven, with, uh, Louis Simmons gracing the cover. And, uh, we got a great interview with Louis. I, I did a phone interview with him. And, uh, Louis is just, he's just outstanding in interviews. You know, he, he lets it, lets it all fly, gives you all the information. He doesn't hold anything back. Um, he actually talked to, at, at length about um, a very very interesting topic we touched upon it a little bit yesterday it's still still stuff he's researching right now but uh it all has to do with volume and um, he even was you know he even broke it down into the amount of volume you need to get a certain amount of uh, weight for a pr um, you know you'll have to check out the uh, the article to see yeah. the detail the details on all that but it was just some outstanding information, some stuff I've never heard before, and I'm sure it'd be pretty new to a lot of the people out there. And you know, Lou is uh, Lou is extremely intelligent. He's um, he's got a, a uh, he's got a very creative mind, and so sometimes he doesn't, he can't uh, always break things down to its simplest form for the rest of us. But uh, you'll be able to pull a lot of good tidbits out of here because we. We worked hard on trying to make sure that you were able to, to take to take uh, some of the stuff in the interview and, and use it in the gym.
2: That's
3: this. Gotcha. I don't know what that is, Quinn. I
2: don't know. Hey.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's Mark's daughter joining us. She's gonna give know. the. uh
3: you know, else to give the outro.
2: There you go. She lifts in what the the forty eight pound weight class, Looking to rank elite. With a- you know
3: what? She, uh, she breathes like she's a super heavyweight. I don't know if she just sits there she's like... <sighs> <sighs> That's- and when she sleeps, she snores. you snore? No. Oh, okay. You don't snore? Okay. <laughs> right, goodbye. There you
2: go. I think we'll wrap it up there. I just want to tell people, you know, if you got some news out there, send it to us. Or a topic you want us to talk about. You know we're going to be doing this each week. Come on here and just give an update of what's going on. Maybe next week me and Mark will uh, we'll give a chat about what we're doing now because we're both training for the same meet, so we can just talk shop on uh, how our trip is We're going, going head to head. Uh, yep, that's right. I mean, I'm gonna. Well, I'll, I'll at least hopefully deadlift more than you. So
3: other than that, foot, I know. maybe we can go foot to head. There you go. Well, oh, that could get dirty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the all the wrong parts are still
2: kinda lined up. Yeah, exactly. So that'll work, bud. Um and
3: that's that's it for this week. Alright, Phil.